Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, see? We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Hey, welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Thanks for being here. My website is educateforlife.org. And if you would like a list of the five best arguments for the existence of God, please email me at info at educateforlife.org. I'd uh, love to have uh, help you out and give you some resources that you can share with your friends. I wanted to start off by reading an article. This is from the Daily Wire by Joseph Curl. I thought it was really appropriate. You know, we've been, t- we've been talking about Kavanaugh and the whole thing that's going on. We've also been talking about, hey, was our country founded on Christian principles? Um, we're dealing with all this stuff that's happening right now. And, and there's a lot of biblical uh, input into what we're dealing with. And I think it's really important that we look through these issues uh, using a biblical lens. And uh, I wanted to start off by reading this. This is an accusation um, from Juanita Broderick. She's accusing uh, the Democrats uh, that have been going after Kavanaugh and his past from 36 years ago and so forth um, of a double standard. And uh, if you remember who Juanita Broderick is, she's the one that accused Bill Clinton 
of uh, of actually raping her. Um, and this is what she says. Uh, she says, uh, this is the biggest double standard I've ever seen. And uh, Joseph Curl writes about this. He says, Broderick addressed the media outside the Senate building where Kavanaugh's Judiciary Committee hearing was set to take place. She said the accusi- accusations from uh, Mrs. Ford, who claims Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her in 1982 at a high school party, is no comparison to what happened to her. And then she goes on to talk about what happened between her and Bill Clinton. And she says, I have 20 times the evidence uh, that Ford has against Kavanaugh. And yet nothing happened. She said she was totally ignored when she came forward with this. She had told uh, more than 20 different women. She wanted to testify all kinds of stuff that she had against Clinton, that he actually physically um, did what he did. And uh, she says here, it's not that I've decided uh, that Ford has no evidence. It's just that she hasn't presented anything. And she says, you know, this is a horrible double standard. And so I wanted to bring this up because this is used frequently in discussions that a person is not um, able to run for office because of either something that has been alleged or something that has uh, actually happened. So, uh, you know, when I was when we were looking at Trump and the election process, uh, him being voted, I had a lot of Christians actually say uh, that on principle, they couldn't vote for Trump because um, he had so many moral failings that it wasn't appropriate to vote for them and so for, for him. So on principle, uh, he didn't vote. Now that turns in, uh, many people think there was somewhere around 40 million um, Christians that did not vote uh, in the election because they felt that, that Trump had moral failings and therefore they couldn't vote for him. And so I have some questions about that. Um, is it better to have a person who has a lot of moral failings but directs the country in the right direction or is it better to have a person who doesn't have, have a lot of known moral failings but steers the country in the wrong direction? And this really applies also not just to political issues, but it applies in the church as well. So when we look at the situation in the church, what's happening in our culture today is that a lot of the, um, uh, I, I guess, moral failings, the sins that used to happen behind closed doors that that weren't discovered um, because of the internet and because of um, social media, it's a lot harder to hide your activity. And uh, because the computers are now recording everything that happens everywhere you go, every word you say, um, you can easily slip up in what you say um, and and uh, show some of your, your, your stereotypes or your prejudices. And these can come out. And people have faced the consequences for that. They, they say a word that they didn't intend to say, but it's their true feelings. And so what ends up happening is... What's happening is people are becoming known for who they actually are. And, uh, you know, it, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that people weren't the way they always were, but I would say that what's happening is uh, involuntarily we are becoming a society that's very transparent. Uh, the culture is becoming much more transparent simply because you can no longer hide anymore. Um, and what might have been done in secrecy is now um, being brought to the surface. And so the question, I guess, is how do you deal with that as a pastor who's running a church, as a volunteer in a church, as a Christian in culture? How do you respond to these leaders that they they go to run for political office and all of a sudden their entire life story is brought up? I mean, there is no way that, you know, uh, in the past, if you had a Supreme Court uh, potential justice who's running, who, who wants to be confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, 
you couldn't have done what they're doing to Kavanaugh today uh, to be able to find all his his classmates, to be able to find the ones reference the parties and to do it so rapidly to find these people so rapidly. This is only made possible because of the Internet, because of uh, the resources that are now now available uh, through technology. And so what's happening is, is for a lot of Christians, this is throwing them into confusion because they're thinking to themselves, well, you know what? Is it right that somebody uh, now I don't believe that Kavanaugh actually uh, did what what um, Ford is saying. It doesn't seem to me that the evidence is very persuasive. Uh, but let's say that did happen, uh, and it was 36 years ago. He was 17, she was 15. And the question then becomes, um, does that disqualify him for confirmation? Now, I know uh, the gut reaction, the immediate reaction, the emotional reaction is immediately, yes, he's disqualified. Uh, he had a moral failing, it's significant enough, and he is disqualified. You know, Ben Carson came out and said, look it, here's the deal. The kind of um, just... Uh, gauntlet that Kavanaugh has had to go through is going to discourage other Christians and other good people from running for office. So, so, uh, Kavanaugh, you know, his, his, his life has been essentially destroyed if he's not confirmed to the Supreme court justice. He said, he, he made a statement. I love coaching my kids sports teams. I'll never be able to coach again. Um, I'll never be able to, uh, uh, you know, be around a woman without having this prejudice against me. Uh, and so it's really affecting him, all these allegations, even if they're not true, it's affecting him. And so uh, it's going to affect his ab- ability to volunteer in church or to be an elder in church or whatever it might be. And so the question is, is should that be the case? I think we have to think uh, long and hard about biblically, what does the Bible uh, advocate for uh, moral failings and how does that in- influence our life? What happens from here on out? If a person has had a moral failing, how does it influence their role in the church? How does it influence their role in politics? Are they all of a sudden disqualified from being able to give an opinion on a subject in which they've had a moral failing? Uh, this is a very significant issue because Ben Carson said, look at, and, and many people have said this, if this is going to be the, the criteria by which we determine whether somebody can uh, get involved uh, in politics or whatever, then you're going to have all these good people backing out and backing down. Now, interestingly, it's a double standard. Uh, those typically on the left uh, do not have a problem with a person having moral failings and advancing them into uh, political positions. By and large, um, that's not nearly as strong of a, a situation. So we have the other side, as conservatives, we have the other side uh, holding us to a standard that's far higher than the standard that's held to them. And so what, what do you end up with? A lot of people that don't feel like, hey, I can run for political office because I've made mistakes, I've had failings. And so um, let's talk about this biblically. Uh, we're coming up on a break not too far here, but before we get too far in, I wanted to let you know about October 13th. It's the 10th annual Veritas International University National Apologetics Conference. It's going to be held at Calvary Chapel South Bay, uh, which is up in Gardenia, California, 19300 Vermont Avenue. You can check this out by uh, just going to the Veritas web- website, uh, Veritas International University, and you can register for free. It's going to be a, a great opportunity to really get equipped to be able to defend the Christian faith. Um, here are some amazing speakers. Brad Dawkins from the Pacific Justice Institute is going to be there as well as Stephen Collins. He's a uh, world-famous archaeologist who uh, is credited with finding uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
uh, uh, uncovering the, the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Stephen Meyer from the Discovery Institute. He's um, one of the leaders of the intelligent design movement. And then also um, Phil, Phil Fernandez, who is a, a pretty well-known apologist, defender of the, the Word of God, as well as myself. I'm going to be speaking up there. I'll be speaking on the scientific foresight of the Bible. Um, there's many uh, references to scientific uh, to science in the Bible that were known in the Bible far before modern science actually discovered them. And that's what I'm going to be talking at, at, at that conference. So I hope you can make it. It's 9.30 to 3.30 p.m. on October 13th. And we are uh, just about here on a quick, quick break. Please stay with us. We're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about this double standard where you have somebody that wants to run for office, they have a moral failing, are they automatically disqualified? What happens then? So stay with us. We'll be right back. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And if you're streaming, we're streaming all over the place. This is our first time we um, have been able to stream uh, multiple broadcasts. So we're on multiple Facebook pages and so forth. Robert uh, is helping me out. He's kind of a... a producer of sorts here along with the the radio studio um, we are we are uh going to be live or i'm sorry we're going to be broadcasting rebroadcasting on kpraise 12 10 a.m and uh 106.1 fm uh that's every sunday night at 10 p.m if you're somebody who stays up late i uh, love to have you tune in but we're also broadcasting and recording on youtube on facebook all over the place so um please uh, share our our broadcast with others and right now what we're talking about is Kavanaugh and the kind of the double standard. Biblically, we want to look at this from a biblical perspective. And I, w- I wanted to share some scripture that uh, is relevant to this situation. If we look at um, James chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. For judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The fact of the matter is, is that we all need mercy. Uh, we all need uh, to, to be forgiven our sins. 
Some people's sins are more offensive, more blatant, and more damaging than others. But the fact of the matter is, is that in the sight of God, the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So what you end up with is, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, Billy Graham or whether you're uh, the person on the third yard of a state prison uh, guilty of murder. The fact of the matter is, is that we all need mercy. And in God's eyes, the most righteous person, doesn't even matter if you're Mother Teresa, that righteousness is as filthy rags compared to the standard of God. And, uh, you know, Billy Graham said something really interesting. He said, he said, if you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't be listening to me. Uh, but if I knew what you'd done, <laughs> I wouldn't be preaching to you. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, well said, in, in my opinion, uh, because the fact of the matter is, is we got to get over this idea of moral perfection. Uh, is that the standard? Is that what God is looking for from a follower of Christ is moral perfection? Is that the highest goal? I don't think it is. I think God's highest goal, his highest standard is a relationship, a love relationship with a person because that love relationship is what actually affects change. Uh, Christ said uh, something very interesting. He said, he who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. And the emphasis here was on the love. The fact that somebody who recognizes how wretched they are, right? Amazing grace, how sweet this sound that saved a wretch like me, that recognizes how wretched they are, falls more in love with God and is so grateful for what he's done. And what does that love do? That love translates into a life of loving others, of mercy towards others, of grace towards others, of reaching out towards others. And so... So now that doesn't mean you need to go out and commit a whole bunch of sins so that you can love God more. (laughs) That's not the goal either. Um, The point is, is what we want to do is recognize uh, our great need for Christ so that we fall more in love with God so that we can then uh, love others more effectively. And in order to, and when that happens, what happens is we begin to recognize that other people uh, need to be shown grace and need to have that mercy also. I want to read to you the parable of the unmerciful servant. Again, I'm coming back to this because of Kavanaugh and the fact of how much he's been attacked. And also Trump, honestly, because I voted for Trump and a lot of people said, you can't vote for Trump um, based on principle. Look at all the moral failings of this guy. I mean, they're all over the place. How can you possibly vote for him? But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter who runs for office. They're a sinner. Some of their sins are known. Some are unknown. Some are greater sin. Some have done a lot more sins. Some have done less, less sins. But the fact of the matter is, is here's my question. Which is more important to have somebody who is in a position of leadership, who recognizes the truth of God's word, who recognizes the actions that need to be taken uh, and then commits to doing them, um, even though they have moral failings or the person who has no moral failings or no known moral failings, but doesn't get get going. There's no, uh, there's no fruit coming from the life they live, right? Uh, we have a lot of people that uh, sit in church pews who are very, very moral, or look, they look very, very moral. But the problem is, is that there's no fruit coming from their life, the way they live. We don't see um, it being produced, and therefore, uh, which is better? Which is it? Is it to be somebody who has... Uh, Nothing being produced in the life for Christ uh, and no, no moral failings or somebody who has moral failings but is out there in love with Christ and is moving forward 
uh, in their life. And now, obviously, I'm not saying it's good to have moral failings. But what I am saying is is that uh, a person is not automatically disqualified simply because they've had moral failings from serving in a government position or from uh, serving uh, potentially in certain areas of a church uh, and, and so forth. Of course, there are standards that we have. Um, the Bible says that an elder must be uh, beyond reproach, right? Um, his life has got to be a reflection of God morally. He's got to be doing those things. But listen to this uh, parable in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says this, Then Peter said to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow, that's incredible. 10,000 bags of gold. That is a gigantic debt, right? Um, But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That is a powerful story. And I think for us, it's a guiding principle to a large degree on how we treat those around us and within the church who have moral failings. Um, This does not mean that, uh, you know, we put a scarlet letter on their forehead and from here on out, they are, uh, you know, condemned to a life of of, uh, the background and and never being able to serve in the church or never being able to uh, be free from that burden. Um, That's not how Christ was. And so uh, another great example um, is the example that Christ set with, with Peter. Peter did one of the worst things you could possibly do, which is he denied Christ three times. And we look at that situation, and uh, Christ knew it was going to happen. He said, after you have been, you've been through this, after you've been sifted, uh, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, um, you know, you're going to come back and you're going you're to serve me. And we see that, that reconnection between Christ and Peter when uh, they meet for the first time after Christ's resurrection, and Christ says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He wasn't kicked out of the church. He wasn't uh, treated like a pariah. He was told, um, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And that's Peter. That is uh, literally the guy who Jesus said, I will build my church on the words that you spoke, um, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so that example set to us by Christ and the what happened to Peter there, again, is another reminder to us that we're all sinners. Some pe- some people's sins are more apparent. They're more out there. And the fact of the matter is, is that 
in with technology today, it's becoming even more people are becoming more aware. You know, in the past we looked good, but now what's happening is we're looking we're 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 losing the veneer of perfection. And it's becoming abundantly clear that people are not perfect. And that that uh we all fall to sin without the proper safety guards in place. And so this is important to remember when we're looking at those in positions of power and leadership that we don't just um, X them off our list because, hey, that person didn't live up to my standards of what it means to be that perfect role model, um, especially in our culture today. Okay, we're up on a break here. My website's educateforlife.org. I'd love to have your support. Um, if anybody knows In-N-Out, if In-N-Out would sponsor my radio program, I'd really, really like that. Um, I do go to In-N-Out a lot, and I used to work there too. So if you are influential in In-N-Out, you can get somebody to sponsor my program. That would be a huge blessing. Okay, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and team home loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tire wheels and service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30 and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Okay, we're back here and a short break. Um, This is Educate for Life Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are broadcasting on K-Praise, 1210 AM. That's where we're in the studios here in Southern California, San Diego, and uh, having a good time. Robert's in studio with me. We're we're streaming live every Friday currently, and uh, that might change in the future because we're looking at what are the best times to broadcast where most people uh, would be listening to the stream, but... um, Love to have your support. We do need sponsors for the radio program. Uh, we do put sponsors on, and um, as we get better at this, you'll see little sponsors of different different groups that come up on our uh, on our stream, and uh, and you can check that out and support them too. And uh, and anyway, love to have your help. So we're also on one hundred six point one FM in North County. 
Um, I am speaking at the National Apologetics Conference. This is put on by Veritas International University. Uh, Joe Holden, Dr. Joe Holden, he's uh, instrumental in putting this on, and it's going to be fantastic. It's a free event, 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. They're expecting uh, over 500 people there, and it'll be uh, great. Brad Dawkins is going to be there, Stephen Collins, Stephen Meyer, very, very famous. Stephen Meyer is the head of the Discovery Institute. Uh, they're an intelligent design think tank, do f- fantastic work. Phil Fernandez, as well as myself, are going to be there. Hey, if you're interested in learning more about how to defend your Christian faith and defend the Bible, please check out educateforlife.org. Um, I am offering my classes currently for free. This will be sad news to some of you, but um, we are going to start charging um, somewhere around October 9th. We're going to start charging for the Educate for Life classes. And... Um, so if you want it for free, you're going to want to go in there, register right away, and get them. There's all kinds of content there you can use. We talk about creation evolution, talk about world religions, talk about how we know the Bible is actually God's word. And then we talk about social and uh, cu- cultural issues, which is what we're talking about today on the radio. Um, it, that, and, and what we're talking about today, specifically I reference in Course 400, which is blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Right? That's a propositional claim. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What does that mean? It means that the Bible says that if Yahweh is your God, if your nation embraces Yahweh, that that nation will be blessed. Okay, that's a, that's a truth claim made in the Bible. It also says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, again, that's a propositional claim. What does it mean? It means righteousness as defined by Yahweh in the Bible brings a nation up. But sin, as defined by Yahweh, brings a nation down. And interestingly enough, most of our founding fathers actually held this position also. This is uh, supreme. the very first Supreme Court Justice, John Jay. He was a very, very dedicated Christian. This is what he said. He said, Providence, and at that time, Providence meant God. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. And it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Uh, That statement is pretty profound because it says that as Christians, it is our obligation to vote for those who espouse Jesus Christ, who have made him their Lord and Savior, and those who, who promote Christian values and virtues. Now, interestingly enough, the question is, is does a person have to be a perfect Christian to get my vote? Now, I know there's a lot of people out there who say, absolutely not. Um, we're all imperfect, and they all understand that. But there's also a lot of people out there who deliberately do not vote because they believe that uh, uh, to vote for the lesser of two evils is still to vote for evil. <laughs> now, this is a difficult situation because, uh, you know, um, Billy Graham also, I, I, I'm quoting him here twice now, but he said, um, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Um, and we have to be careful of this. Um, we're not in heaven yet. So by just default, we're always going to be voting for the lesser of two evils when we're, we're involved in voting. And voting is here is right around the corner. You know, um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we have the potential to overturn Roe versus Wade because of the fact that Kavanaugh may get confirmed to the Supreme Court. Now, of course... Those who are pro-abortion and don't want to see Roe versus Wade overturned, they're trying to prevent Kavanaugh from being confirmed. They're trying to prevent the confirmation of a judge until after the election in November. 
because we only have an advantage in the Senate. It's 51 to 49. We are barely, uh, uh, we're holding on by the skin of our teeth as far as that's concerned. So if, if Kavanaugh does not get confirmed next week, right, the, today the committee uh, uh, sent him to the Senate and there are, I believe, two Republican um, senators who are saying they may not vote to confirm Kavanaugh, which means if Kavanaugh doesn't get confirmed, then there will be no confirmation until after the election. And if in the election, we don't still hold the Senate, let's say we lose the majority in the Senate, then we will not be able to confirm a con- strong conservative judge who, would, who is opposed to Roe versus Wade. And so your vote matters. And if you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good and on principle you decide, I don't want to vote because none of the people here are perfect people, then by your uh, abstaining from voting, you are actually allowing evil to take place. And I'll, say, I'll hear people say, that's not my fault. I did the right thing by not voting. I stood by my principles. But, but by your lack of action, you've actually allowed evil to persist, a greater evil to persist. And so I would encourage you, if you're on the fence about this, um, the Bible says in James, he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. We have sins of commission and sins of omission. A sin of commission is I violated some principle, moral value of God's. Uh, A sin of omission is I didn't do what God asked me to do. I didn't get out there and make a difference. I wasn't salt and light. You know, D.L. Moody said something uh, very profound, right? A woman came up to him and said, hey, I don't like the way you witness. I don't like the way you share the gospel. And I, I, um, I, I have this happen every once in a while. I, if you've listened to this radio program for any amount of time, you know that I love, I love Ray Comfort. And Ray Comfort, um, he just uh, talks to people and basically says, look, how many lies have you told? How many, have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever blasphemed? Have you ever looked at somebody with lust? And for a lot of people, it's very, um, you know, seems very rude, you know, kind of like, why are you asking people about their sins? That's so rude. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that when you ask people these questions and they confront the reality of the situation, it makes the gospel very clear because now you recognize your need for a savior. And so I've had a few people say to me, oh, I do not like the way Ray Comfort shares the gospel. Or they've said it to me, I don't like the way you share the gospel. I don't, I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't like that. D.L. Moody, you know, he was similar. He said this, he said, this woman came up to him and said, look, I don't like the way you share the gospel. And he said, uh, well, do you ever go out and share the gospel? She said, no. And he said, well, I like the way I share the gospel better than the way you don't share the gospel. And so, you know, for, for me, I, I mean, that's abundantly clear. We, we cannot, um, I like the way I vote better than the way you don't vote, right? I like the way I vote for the person, for the lesser of two evils, better than the way you vote for nobody and let the greater evil uh, persist and win. And I think uh, that's something we, we all have to deal with. And um, we live in a fallen world where we have imperfect people. And it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. But do they have to be perfect Christians? No, they don't. And so when you're going out to vote in this upcoming election and you're looking at your different choices and you see somebody that has mistakes in their past or, or their, their mistakes are being broadcast over the internet uh, and you're seeing their moral failings, um, the Bible is abundantly clear. Uh, mercy will be shown to those who show mercy. And uh, with the same way you judge, you will be judged by my Father. That's what Jesus Christ said. Uh, so 
we we are all sinners. We all lack. What we're looking for are people whose heart is in the right place. Uh, you know, a, a significant question is, um, can can somebody who's addicted to drugs, somebody who you let's say somebody who uses drugs, be against the legalization of drugs? Well, the obvious answer is yes. Of course they can. Um, can can somebody who's had an abortion be opposed to abortions and speak out on the issue? Yes, of course they can. Um, can somebody who who struggles with pornography speak out against pornography? Well, of course they can. Um, and this is on and on and on. Um, a lot of times we are shamed or guilted into silence. And this is the devil's trick, by the way. The devil wants to shame and guilt Christians into silence. He doesn't want them running for office. He, want, he doesn't want them speaking out on issues. He doesn't want them volunteering in church. He doesn't want them doing anything. And so what he does is he shames people to death to where they become inactive and ineffective, right? He does not want anybody to, to volunteer in church. He wants them so, uh, to, to condemn themselves so much that they don't even feel they're worthy to step into the church doors. Uh, but this is, uh, this is the devil's strategy, not God's. Um, all we have to do again is look at the story of the prodigal son and the, and the father who loved that prodigal son. There was never a point in that child's life, in that boy's life, where his father wouldn't have hugged him. There was never that, it never came to that point. Um, his father was always going to love him. Now we're coming up on a break. We have one more segment left. I'm going to get a little bit more into um, what, what needs to happen uh, in our country for it to continue to turn back to God and also uh, some of the things that, that the founding fathers said about their relationship with God. Um, I'm going to talk about this because there's a, there's a common attack against the founding fathers that they held, that they uh, own slaves, and therefore they are not worth listening to, and how they set up the Constitution and Declaration is a problem because of that. So we're going to talk about that. We'll be right back. Thanks for being here. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and team. Home Loans. No 
Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Hey, um, if you're on uh, streaming, we're streaming the program now on my website, on my Facebook page, on the EFL Facebook page. We're also streaming it on YouTube. Uh, and the hope is to get more people aware of uh, the broadcast, obviously. And so if it's something that's been a blessing to you or an encouragement to you, please share it. Uh, that'd be awesome. Um, we also will post all the shows on YouTube. Um, you can go back and watch them. I believe we have somewhere around 100 shows now um, on our website with all kinds of amazing guests. I've had uh, incredible guests on the show that really uh, talk about a lot of the issues that are relevant to uh, how do I approach issues from a biblical perspective or how do I defend my Christian faith. That's what our website's all about, educateforlife.org. It's meant to be a resource for you to be able to learn how to defend your faith. I've found that the more I know, the more answers I have to the questions people have, the easier it is for me to speak up about issues, right? Um, they say that, that uh, public speaking is one of the greatest fears for most people, uh, right up there with the, the fear of death. Um, about 25% of Americans fear speaking in front of people as much as death. And so how do you diminish that fear? Well, one of the ways you diminish the fear is by knowing your topic. So the more you are comfortable with a topic, the more you're able to talk about it without being afraid. And so common sense would, would then um, draw the conclusion that if I know a lot about God's word, about the issues like evolution and creation, or about the issue of homosexuality, and how to respond to these issues uh, among my peers, my coworkers, my neighbors, then I, my fear of inviting somebody to church or sharing the gospel goes down, down, down. And uh, that's certainly what I found. Uh, over time, as I've learned more about the Word of God and I'm able to defend it very easily, I am very comfortable with having a conversation impromptu, you know, at a coffee shop or wherever I'm, I'm at. When somebody asks me a question, um, it's easy for me to have a discussion with them about it. So please go to my website, educateforlife.org. I'd love for you to check it out and see all the great resources that are there for you. Okay, I wanted to pick up um, on the issue. You know, a while back, I was talking to an atheist about um, the founding of the country and, and uh, whether a cross should remain on public property or not. And this uh, particular atheist said to me that the founding fathers owned slaves. Therefore, their view of, uh, quote, the separation of church and state and so forth was irrelevant because uh, of what they said. And again, you'll hear this attack frequently from typically those on the left who will say something like, uh, you did this or you did that, and therefore your opinion is irrelevant to this discussion. Now, this is a logical fallacy in arguing. It's an emotional um, attack, and what it's called, it's called poisoning the well. And this is the definition. It's a type of informal logical fallacy where irrelevant adverse information about a target is preemptively presented to an audience with the intention of discrediting or ridiculing something that the target person is about to say. So a great example is Thomas Jefferson. M many people don't know this. Thomas Jefferson was an abolitionist. He wanted uh, slavery to end. Uh, he was very, very, very much into ending slavery. But he also had slaves. In Virginia, he, he had slaves. And so a person looks at this and goes, what in the world? You're a hypocrite. How can you have slaves, and say you're against slavery. Um, but again, the question comes up. Could Thomas Jefferson present valid facts about uh, the issue of slavery that are valid and still have slaves? 
Well, yeah, he could. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but he shouldn't. And that's certainly true. He shouldn't. Uh, Now, there are particular issues in his situation where people say, well, this is why he had slaves, because if he had let his slaves go, they would have gone, been gone right back into slavery, uh, picked up, uh, or he, he himself could have been um, brought under pressure because he, had, he let his slaves go and you weren't allowed to let your slaves go. Uh, so different people will say, ah, that's not justified. It doesn't matter. But the real question is, is, is he still able to give his opinion about the issue of slavery even though he has slaves? And the answer, as hard as it might be to hear, is yes. A person's opinion is not immediately invalid simply because they have a moral failing, even if it pertains to that issue. That's called poisoning the well. The, the person's opinion or their ideas or, or their thoughts on an issue uh, are not validated or invalidated by who they are or what they've done. The merits of the idea have to stand on their own. And so you may have somebody who says something very intelligent, but you really don't like them. They're just an annoying person or they just really uh, rub you the wrong way. And you think to yourself, well, boy, I can't stand that person. But, but the fact of the matter is, is when it comes to weighing an argument or something somebody has said, whether you like them or not, whether you think they're a good person or not, is not immediately relevant. Um, it's what, they, what their idea is. Does it have merit or does it not? Uh, And so this is why, even though Thomas Jefferson had slaves, right, he wrote, uh, uh, he was highly influential in the Declaration of Independence, right? And so he says that all men are created equal, right? Uh, We have unalienable rights. And then you look at that and you go, but he had slaves. How can he make that statement? Does that mean that we were not created by God or that his opinion that we're all created equal is automatically invalid? No, that means he had a moral failing. That means he didn't. He didn't, his, his values, right, didn't match up with the way he was living. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is the case almost all the time. Um, well, for a lot of the time. So if you're a Christian, you know what the Bible says and your standards are extremely high. But do you always measure up to those standards? Absolutely not. Does that mean that your standards are invalid? No, of course not. Um, which is better? To be a person who has very high standards but doesn't always meet those standards or to be a person who has very low standards who always meets those standards, right? So this is the situation uh, that we're seeing right now on the left in a lot of ways. When you look at something like Juanita Broderick who says, look it, I came forward and I told everybody that uh, Bill Clinton raped me. I had all the evidence in the world. I had tons of evidence. He was an attorney general uh, and, and yet here he still was, um, got to become the president, even though it was well known what he had done. Uh, what an incredible double standard. And so they, we look at Kavanaugh here, uh, incredibly unsubstantiated claims against him. Uh, 36 years ago when he was 17 and the, the girl was 15. And if you look at all, I believe it's now over 65 women have come forward and testified about what, how well they have been treated uh, by Kavanaugh. And yet we're still dealing with this uh, people saying he doesn't deserve to be confirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court, by the Senate, because 36 years ago, we have an unsubstantiated claim that um, that he sexually tried to sexually uh, abuse somebody, that he sexually abused somebody. Uh, This is an incredible double standard, Uh, regardless of whether you 
whether you feel uh, that it's true or not, the fact of the matter is, is that what's happening is that people that are liberal, not all, and I'm not, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but there's a lot of people on the left and on the liberal side that they don't really care about what Kavanaugh did. What they care about is that he doesn't get confirmed because if he does get confirmed, there's a strong potential that Roe versus Wade will be overturned. And that's the real issue here. And so uh, we need to think very clearly about these things. The Bible says that we're to be as clever as serpents, as gentle as doves. And I believe that in this particular situation, that's what we're dealing with. You know, and I teach uh, Christian high school students. I teach 12th graders. And right now we're talking about the issue of human trafficking. And we're going back to uh, the issue of slavery with uh, William Wilberforce. And if you look at his fight against, against slavery, it was him against about 300 members of parliament who all were motivated by their desire to make money. They were motiv- motivated by their financial gain. He was motivated by his love for God, his love for Christ, to abolish slavery because he believed that all men were created equal. And he lived a pretty good life. That guy was a, a pretty uh, morally upright person. But they slandered him all over the place. People said that he had gotten a woman pregnant, um, a slave woman pregnant. Uh, people uh, slandered the people around him, saying they were spies. Uh, they were revolutionary spies for the Americans. It was aw- they, they called him seditious. Uh, they called uh, William Wilberforce seditious, that he was trying to provoke a revolution. Uh, and this was, see, the, the devil doesn't fight fair. Uh, as Christians, we're trying to live by moral principles. But we, we need to be very, very uh, clever and be praying a lot about God. Um, how, can we, how can we go out and fight for righteousness, maintain the high moral standards, um, and also give grace and forgiveness to those people that are on our side who haven't lived perfect lives? Uh, we don't want to be um, shooting each other. Uh, you know, you hear this all the time. I hear Christians say this all the time. Christian leaders say, the people that hurt me the most weren't the people outside the church. It was the people inside the church. Uh, what a horrible, horrible situation to have friendly fire within the church and with those who love God, who know what's true. Um, let's be focused on, in this election, getting people in office who maybe aren't perfect, because it's abundantly clear that none of us are, but maybe aren't perfect, but know what perfect is and are trying their best to advance the values of of the Bible and of God and of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I hope that's encouraging to you. Um, make sure you get involved and are voting. We're about out of time, so thanks for joining me today. And uh, please comment, um, subscribe. Uh, please visit my website if you can. That'd be fantastic. And if you can donate and support us financially, that's a huge blessing too. Donate to EFL.org. If you know anybody uh, who uh, is uh, friends with in and out uh, or um, Chick-fil-A, who would like to sponsor my program, hey, uh, please let me know. I'm just throwing out that out there. I'm, I'm hoping and praying. Uh, so anyway, thanks for being here, and I hope you have a fantastic day. God bless you. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com. You will always be much more to me.
Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's alright. Cause 